Today's reading is from Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord given to us in love, and it is absolutely true. Good morning, friends, um, from the storage closet of the Salvation Army. Um, this might be a time to be silent and a time for lots of noise, so be prepared for that. Uh, my name is Sarah, and I'm one of the pastors at Hope Midtown, and I might not have been with you for a while here live on Zoom, so it is really fun to see you all, see your little boxes and names, and um, to just be here with you as in-person as we can get right now. Um, I know the snow might have kept some of you from coming in person today, and um, we're just so thankful again for this space that we do get to be together. And as Heather mentioned, we do, we are going through this series on emotionally healthy spirituality. And I get the task today of talking about how grief and loss expands our heart for love. So would you pray with me as we begin? Lord, we want to live in reality. We want to be people who are emotionally healthy, mature, who are growing and in that growth, we know that we have to walk through grief and loss. So would you tender our hearts right now? Would you allow us to tend to our tender hearts right now? Would you allow us this space and permission for grieving, for acknowledging our losses? And may that, Lord, widen our hearts to greater love. In your name, amen. So yes, as Ecclesiastes 3 was read, thank you, Alice, we know that Ecclesiastes 3, you can go back, is kind of this picture of just reality. This is the very human experience, the human emotions that we live in. And really, when we talk about emotionally healthy spirituality, that means that we are living in reality. To be emotionally immature, to have an immature faith, to have an immature um, sense of growth, um, to lack growth, means that we don't live in reality. To not acknowledge our pain, to run from our sorrow, to ignore our suffering, to numb our sadness, that is to only live in that top 10% of the iceberg, if you remember that picture that we've been given. That, you know, pain and loss and those uncomfortable feelings usually don't, aren't displayed in that top 10% of our iceberg that we reveal to others. But the surest way to get kind of below the iceberg, to get beneath the surface of our souls is by moving through our griefs and our losses. As Pete Scazzaro, the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the one who crafted this whole course, I heard him say once, and it's so true, I heard him say that three things can unlock our hearts and our souls like nothing else, and that is silence, 
loss and love. And really, don't we know that loss and love are kind of two sides of the same coin and silence is often what brings those to the surface in the first place, our losses and our, lo our loves, our desires, our longings. And so today is not only just about grief and loss, it's actually more importantly about love. And I want to read to us as we begin this C.S. Lewis quote that you might have heard before, but I've just been meditating on it this week, as I think this is the picture, the story of a lot of us. C.S. Lewis says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, Im impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. So this is the cost of love. We know that to love is to open ourselves up to loss. That is the vulnerability. To love is to lose. And to lose is simply to be human. We are people, as we walk this planet Earth, who will move through many different losses. Sometimes it feels like one loss after another. Sometimes it's gigantic losses a death, a divorce, sometimes it's more minor, but more consistent, more like one thing after another, subtle, and maybe just below the surface, catastrophic losses, minor losses, if you can call it that. But we are a people who will continue to lose throughout our lives. And so this is our invitation to not only get used to losing, but to know how to walk through it with Christ. In my 40 years on this planet of various losses, there are only two things I know for sure about loss. The first one is that loss is unavoidable. Loss is unavoidable. I'm sure you know that as well by now. It is the most normal part of life to lose is to be human. And we do experience these kinds of losses, sometimes one after another. Moving is a form of loss. Every transition kind of brings up losses, even if it's a gain in other ways. There's a there was a loss in my singleness when I got married three months ago. There's transition brings up a lot of loss. Aging, there's just one thing after another, the aging makes us feel losing ability, losing strength, losing our beauty, that there are losses that come with just aging and transitioning in those ways. Maybe there's even the loss of deconstruction, of losing some of the ideals that we've grown up with in our faith and church, in our understanding of God. There's a loss that comes in this season of really exploring what does our faith mean, this deconstruction kind of time. There's the loss of breakups and relationships. Um, and then, of course, the traumatic losses of divorce, of death, of losing people in betrayal and in the most difficult ways. There's the loss also of something that you never had but desire. 
the loss of desiring to be married, but not the loss of wanting children, but not having them. Those are losses as well. Our longings our unmet longings can also be some of the ways we experience loss. And so number one, the, the one, the first of the only two things that I know about loss is that loss is unavoidable. The most normal part of being human. Secondly, though, loss is unavoidable. Loss is also unexplainable. You can go to the next slide, Heather. Loss is unavoidable. It's also unexplainable. As normal as human loss is, it's never, ever, ever okay, right? It's never going to make sense. It's never going to feel like, oh, there's a good reason that I can rationalize it, that I can explain it away or make meaning in the middle of the pain. Loss is an unexplainable mystery. It's an impossible, impossible thing to understand. And we know in the middle of loss, we know it's not supposed to be this way. We can say that while we're moving through deep pain and sorrow, or even just the little things that might cause us sadness and discomfort. It's not supposed to be this way. We know that because we know that we were made for wholeness, for fullness, for joy. And so while loss is both very natural, it is also very, very unnatural. It's the most basic part of being human, while at the same time, it's the most difficult part of being human. It's this both and of, it's every person's experience of life, every person's emotional experience, and yet it's never ever okay. And that is, I think, where we find us find ourselves in Ecclesiastes 3. I'll just have those middle verses up here. We look at these, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace, a time to refrain, a time to search, a time to give up. We look at these kind of dichotomies of life and maybe see them as this spectrum of, am I living in this time or in this time? But really what we can see is that sometimes these are all at the same time and that really if we've lived any length of time on this planet, we know that we will have a time for all of these. This is a picture of our reality. This is a picture of our lives, that it's not that one is better than the other, or we want this, but not this, but actually this is just our human experience, our very emotional experience of life. And so while loss is the most normal thing, it's also the most abnormal. But what really separates us is how we walk through these seasons of the letting go, of the refraining, the giving up, the throwing away, these times that look like that one end of the spectrum that we would rather not have. Henry Nowen, um, a wonderful spiritual director, mentor through his books, um, he has said, we tend to stay away from mourning and dancing from both. We're too afraid to cry, but too shy to dance. We become narrow-minded, avoiding pain, but also avoiding true human joy. But while we live in a world subject to the evil one, we belong to God. Therefore, let us mourn and let us dance. So it is how we react in these times 
of pain and suffering, of sorrow, that says much about our emotional maturity and health. We know, you've probably learned this along the way, that loss has the power to either shut us down or open us up. Loss has the power to shut us down or open us up. Maybe we've experienced both. That we can either live in this very narrow bandwidth of, I don't want to feel too much loss, therefore I'm probably not going to feel too much pain. We're like Henry Nouwen said, we're too afraid to cry, too shy to dance. We're living in this narrow emotional bandwidth, or there is the invitation to widen it, to expand our hearts for greater love versus, as C.S. Lewis said, to protect it, to wall it up to not choose the vulnerable option. And so it all depends how we choose to move through it. If we want our loss to open us up rather than close us down, we must learn to grieve and grieve is a verb. We must engage in this spiritual practice of grieving. I will say uh, five years ago, January, 2017, I woke up January 1st in a deep pit of sadness. It was just kind of a sudden coming on of this utter plunge into sadness. I cried every day for three months. Um, I think all of the losses that I had experienced in that season, um, I was 35 and not married. My job was kind of dead end. I felt really miserable living in Colorado at the time, a beautiful place to be, but it was a wilderness place for me. And they all kind of came crashing in all at the same time. And I woke up with just a deep sense of sadness. And I walked through that for three months, um, really mourned every single day. And in that time, I saw how even though I was sad, it wasn't necessarily yet grieving. I walked around in a fog and kind of nothing really happened. I felt really stuck, but that sadness was beginning to unlock my heart. Instead of living in that narrow emotional spectrum, I was feeling, I was feeling sadness and my heart was breaking open. My heart was no longer in this safe, secure box. And so I do want to just take a moment to let us in on the difference between sadness and grief. They're not like one is better than, than the other. It's not even a linear, but it's, it's apples and oranges. But I know I didn't understand that grief was an action while sadness was an emotion. So sadness being that emotion, that feeling that we experience in a loss, but grief being the actual verb of processing, of walking through. So sadness is an emotion, grief is an action. Sadness is kind of a state. I was in that foggy state, kind of just a fixed static um, place. Whereas grief is more of a process, something that isn't linear and isn't just a check mark or it's really often not a finished product. It's a process. It's something that we do, we engage in as a practice, but not necessarily something that we can just check off or that has clearly delineated stages and phases as we might've heard. And then when we say, I am sad, we're describing ourselves. I am sad is an adjective. We're describing our kind of state of being. Whereas we, if we say, I am grieving, 
there's movement in that. We're not stuck. We are moving, even if it's not, again, with an in a finished result, an end goal of to be all healed and whole. There is that I am grieving. It is a process that I'm moving through. Um, an, an author that I've just begun reading, her name is Tish Harrison Warren. She writes in Prayers in the Dark. Um, it's a, a stunning book about praying in those dark seasons in the dark night of the soul. She says on the next slide, feeling sadness is the cost of being emotionally alive. Feeling sadness is the cost of being emotionally alive. So whereas sadness might feel, and it did for me, it felt like a, a deadening, a numbing, a frozen state. Grief is actually, that is what allows us to engage in being more emotionally alive. So loss, as C.S. Lewis said again, is that cost of love. And love and loss, again, I believe really are two sides of the same coin. The more we can allow our losses to penetrate deep and to bring to the surface of our souls the things that they need to bring up, our losses can become the open door for greater love. So they can be seen as two sides of the same coin or two ends of the same spectrum, not equal opposites, but equally weighted in the significance of our experience as humans. Loss can serve to widen our hearts to greater love. I know that it has had that impact on me. Before that season of sadness that I mentioned, I think I was living very, very narrow. I didn't allow myself to feel much of anything and there was an emotional deadening. I didn't feel many times of exquisite joy, but as I learned to cry my sad tears every day for three months, I will say I didn't know until maybe a couple years ago that I also had happy tears in me. I had never cried happy tears before. But as I cried the sad tears, somehow the joyful tears also rose to the surface. So may we allow our losses to widen our hearts, widen our ability, our capacity to feel love, to feel joy. But that's not what we are all jumping at right now, right? Let me feel my grief, my pain. But if we never feel that raw, painful half of our emotional spectrum, then we will remain emotionally stunted, unable to experience the fullness, the wideness of the reality of being human as Ecclesiastes 3 proposed to us. If we refuse to feel our pain, then we limit our ability to also feel joy. We narrow down our emotional bandwidth and we just live in this very narrow bumpers of, I don't wanna to feel too much this way, so I won't feel too much this way. And this is the invitation and God giving us not only permission, but a welcome and an honoring of expanding our hearts as part of our spiritual growth process. Because grief really can lead to growth. You can go to the next slide. We might not see, we shouldn't see really. We don't see our sorrows and our suffering as a gift. That is 
that is a fact of life, but we don't have to be grateful for, for it. We don't have to be people who are but God and tie it all up with a nice little bow. So our suffering is not a gift, but grief can be a gift. The act of grieving, the process of grieving our losses can be a gift and can lead to growth as we allow it. Unless, this is a Tish Harrison Warren quote again, unless we make space for grief, we cannot know the depths of the love of God, the healing that God wrings from pain, the way grieving yields wisdom, comfort, even joy. So again, we're not saying that these times of sadness are a gift and something to be grateful for, but that this process the practice of grief, as we'll move into now, this practice is truly a necessary part of our spiritual formation. I've said it before, maybe it'll uh, just be a good thing to remember, but that our lamentation, the process of lamenting, of grieving, lamentation is just part of our spiritual formation, just part of engaging in this growth of our emotional and spiritual bandwidth. If we are to be formed in the ways of Christ, especially, especially formed in the ways of Christ during periods of sorrow in the time to mourn, then we must intentionally practice lament, practice like a spiritual discipline, practicing grief becomes then part of our ongoing engagement in our own maturing process. And so we'll just look here at a few of the elements that we see in the Psalms of Lament, in our um, the Book of Lamentations. Our scriptures are full of these ways and these elements, these aspects of healthy grieving. Jesus himself was a man of sorrow, right? We have a God who grieves. We have a God who welcomes our grief and who allows it to be part of that purging and bringing up to the surface of our souls, bringing us into greater maturity, breaking our hearts wide open, allowing us to become people who live in reality. And so in the Psalms of Lament or in the ways that we see David crying out to God through scripture. These are some of the elements that we see that allow our hearts to enlarge and our souls to unlock um, as we go through grief. And so the first one here in the elements of grieving is that we simply acknowledge our losses. We see David doing this in the Psalms. He names his specific losses. He names the people who have hurt him. He names the tragic experiences he's gone through, he names them one by one. In my seminary, they actually had us do something called a grief journal, where we had to bullet point through our entire lives, everything that we had lost. It was pretty brutal. But the naming of it, naming somehow is powerful. Naming it in a specific, almost just here it is, Lord, let me put it on paper. Naming it does release some of the power of it over you. And so the first thing we see is acknowledging your losses, simply naming them. And then the second one is being honest about how we feel about our losses. 
And this again is just more of a statement of neutrality, not how we should feel, not how we wish we felt, but being honest about how we actually feel. I lost this and I feel this. This is the real emotion that I'm experiencing right now, whether that's anger, hurt, disappointment, disappointment with God, disappointment with someone else, disappointment with myself. Maybe it's doubt that is the feeling. And again, we see David just crying out, this is how traumatic I feel that this loss is. This is hard, God. This is how I feel about it. Being honest about our emotions and our feelings in those losses. And then thirdly, consider our coping response. We all have them. That is how we get through life, how we get through, again, the unavoidability of our losses. We have our coping responses. Consider how, if you're thinking of a specific loss, consider how you actually responded in an action sense. There's the emotional response. This is how I felt about the loss. And then there is the coping response. Maybe you veer more towards the coping mechanism of just numbing, ignoring, distracting, or maybe there's a coping mechanism of building up a wall, like the C.S. Lewis quote, just patting yourself, protecting. There's a number of different responses that losses can elicit in us. This is simply an opportunity to consider as you state what you've lost, as you name your feelings, how am I actually responding? What are maybe some of the ways I've coped and ignored or distanced myself? And then we get to the invitation for a new way of responding. And that is our next one. We declare our deepest desires to God, that this is this gentle, beautiful invitation for us to say, I've lost this, this sucks, this, I, this is the feeling that I have. This is maybe the coping response. I'm going to lean in all the way and still say what I desire. I miss this. I wish it was this way. This is what I still desire. Even in this loss, God, I desire this more than anything. Still declare your deepest desires to God express your trust in God. This is another invitation in these aspects of healthy grieving. This next one to express our trust in God. And this isn't the kind of trust that's like, God is good all the time. Everything's going to be fine. This is that gut level, like, but God, where else would I go? You alone have the words of life. This isn't trying to wrap it up with a nice little bow. This is simply a statement of trusting God. You know that a lot of David's Psalms do somewhere in there say, but you, O Lord, if it weren't for you, kind of almost a resigned sense of, I still trust you. Where else would I go? But finally, it is an invitation to fight the urge to flee or fix it. I know we think that in grieving that we must come to some point where, okay, I I can make it make sense. I can wrap it all up and fix it, or I can control it in whatever way you feel that that would make it okay. But that's actually where we leave it. We fight the urge to understand it, to resolve it, to wrap it up with a hopeful bow, but letting our laments 
just continue to be honest. This is where I'm struggling. And I will leave it at that. And so now as we conclude our time together this morning, I want to invite us into just a time to practice grieving together. So if you would actually get out a, either your phone, a notes app, or a piece of paper, a post-it even would do. We've been doing this in our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, um, where there's a lot more opportunity to engage in some of these practices. But just as we finish today, I would love for you to take part in these first three. Um, you see that I made it an acrostic, so you can remember it a little bit easier. But just these first three, acknowledging your losses, being honest about your feelings about those losses, and then consider your coping response. And so on this next slide, I'll just leave it at this. You will be writing, while it's just quiet for a moment right now, writing in these three categories. What is an actual loss or two or three that you can just acknowledge and say some of the examples that I give there? are some of the categories of loss that you might've even experienced just during the pandemic, a breakup, a relationship loss, a job, a move, parents, health, some losses that have come with those categories. And then as you write down in your grief journal, these are some of the losses, very real losses I've experienced. Think about either how you currently feel in those losses, is it anger? Is it disappointment? There's some examples I give there too, Heather. Is it regret? Is it hopelessness, shame? What are the actual emotions? If I could label it a little more specifically as I name my losses, what are also the feelings attached to it? And then finally, how have I or am I responding? What are the actions of whether it's coping or, I mean, coping is, is a gift to us for for a period of time when we just need to get through, but coping only goes so far and coping is not something we want to do for the rest of our lives. So how have I coped? And then what would be the next kind of invitation to move through the next stages of grieving, of declaring our desires to God, expressing our trust and continuing to fight the urge to flee or fix. So I'll leave this for you right now. And actually, Heather, if you want to just give a couple minutes of quiet and then you can close it up, um, I would invite you right now to just take part in this practice and let it be something that might be ongoing. This is the beginning of your grief journal of being able to be someone who lives in reality. So I will leave it at that for you right now. Allow for some silence. Again, silence, love, and loss are those three things that can pierce our hearts like almost nothing else. So I bless you, friends. Heather, feel free to wrap up the service. Love you guys.